it was the biggest fight they ever had. And, you know, just going back and forth. It turned out <laughs> she stole my toothbrush. Hello, everyone. It is Monday, September 4th, and shit is wild out there. And welcome to season two, episode two of Luke, Who is Your Father? I'm your host, Jules. I'm Ricky. I'm Kenny. And this season, we have turned the mic over to you, the listeners, to tell us about your family scandals, trials, and triumphs, and it is not for the faint of heart. A gentle reminder that the opinions expressed in this episode are those of our guests who have been so amazing so far Great. and we are just so lucky to have them uh, you can see this episode and all of our episodes and bonus content by subscribing to luke who is your father on youtube follow us on tiktok at luke who is your father pod at ricky jump and at jules who is your father and follow us on instagram at luke who is your father at ricky jump and at kenny k 23 we so appreciate your support and would love if you would just take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and to share with really just anyone who you think could relate, would benefit, or just enjoy it all together. Uh, we are loving all of the reviews that we've received so far. Good and constructive. Not so good. <laughs> And it just really means a lot to us and helps us out when you take the time to write out your thoughts rather than just hitting those five stars. So if you have the time, let her rib and be honest, because we really do take that feedback uh, into account. Uh, and also, most importantly, if you have a story of your own to share of the Who Is Your Daddy variety, you can submit on LukeWhoIsYourFather.com, where you can also read our bios, any mentions in the press or on other podcasts, and see all of the platforms that we're streaming on. And just a note about that, we are not limiting ourselves to DNA stories. This is really any, any guest that has a story to tell about the relationship that they have with their father. I would say even with their mother, we don't want to put, we don't want to be too pigeonholed by this because we do have some guests coming up this season where um, it's really just diving more into the, yeah, that who was your father question as opposed to not knowing who he was to begin with or anything <laughs> like that. So if you are new here, we were triplets. Well, we are still <laughs> separated at birth, reunited, and we found our biological father through Ancestry DNA. Uh, and we cover that all in season one. So go back and take a listen if you haven't. Bring your tissues. And today, I think we're just going to dive straight into things because this is the second of a two-parter with Mark Craven, author of Dad's Kiss Your Sons. And this week, we really dive into the DNA test that he just took at the end of his first episode. If you had, did not listen to episode one of season one, go back because you are going to be lost, 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 you lost. Lost in the South. And um, yeah, let's find out who he is and what kind of path that this discovery sent Mark down. Uh, and made him who he is today. 
All right, everyone, welcome back. We have Mark Craven back in the studio with us today. If you did not listen to our last episode with Mark, please go back and do that because none of this is going to make sense because shit is about to get crazy. Uh, so, Mark, I think the last time that we were with you, you had just found out, just had taken a DNA test and found out that Mark was not your biological father. And I think we're about to find out exactly who that was. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a, we did a paternity test. Yeah. The yeah. original motivation told to you for the paternity test mm -hmm. was you wanted to get on your dad's insurance. Right. So they were requesting a paternity test because you had different last names. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Turns out that wasn't true. <laughs> okay, so let's just make sure to cover that when we kind of put a pin in that. Yeah, put yeah. a pin in that. Sorry, I, my little dude just walked walked in. He's going upstairs. Hi, Kai. That's the Kai, man. That's the Kai. Kai's saying hi. Hey, you want to say hi? Oh, come here. Hi. Come here. Come say hi. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh, hi. Oh, man. Hi, Kai. Hey, shy boy. Say hi. Hi, Kai. Hi, buddy. What a cutie. Thank you. Oh, that's that's one way. Your sons. <laughs> that's Kiss Your Sons. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, my gosh. He's precious. He's so blonde. He is super blonde. You have to go check out Mark and his family because, dang, are they just precious. Thank you. Yes, I, I was just that. checking out Kai's daily affirmations this yes, morning. I and then looking. I did them with him. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, I... I do every night. It's so I wrote them in the book, but I like every night after his bath since he was a baby. I would, I think, did I do it on the last one? Did I say what they were? No, I don't think so. I mean, do you want me to do it real fast? Yeah, it's yeah, kinda, absolutely. Uh, I say this to him every single night when he goes to bed or right before bed. So it's bath time. Then he sits on my lap and while I'm drying him off, I say, You're strong, you're safe, you're secure, you're blessed, you're highly favored, you're covered in the blood of Jesus, you're healthy, you're kind, and you're so, so loved. You were born into abundance. You were born into blessing. You are abundant and you are a blessing. And mommy and daddy love you so, so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. So I've said that to him every single, right after his bath, every single time. Uh, so now we started in the morning. I'm like, are you strong? He's like, are you safe? Are you secure? We don't go through the entire thing, yeah. but you know, just a few to like, you know, start him like, okay, I am these yeah. things. You know, it's, be, so, it's important. That'll be so fun when he does it you know when he starts doing it himself for the first mm -hmm. time and so he's right now he's agreeing with you but when he starts saying yeah right. that'll be right. so cute and, and you I don't, have to let us know when he gets to the age where he's like dad i'm not yeah. doing this anymore and you're like, <laughs> i will you yeah but your ass you, you are are gonna do it back to your question about oh, that yeah. so yeah there was a little reveal um so i think so let's get into Let's get into you finding, you know, who your biological father actually was. And then I, I want to get into that reveal as we kind of go chronologically, because I know that that was a very, very recent that part discovery recent. for you. Yeah. 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 So take like, us back to, and I think we might have gotten into this a little bit in the last episode, but I take us back to finding, you know, the DNA test, finding out that, that Mark was not your father. And then I think your aunt, mm -hmm. or wasn't she the one who kind of pointed you in yeah she's my cousin she's my cousin my cousin, your cousin that's right yeah um but she's more mom <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's kai's nanny 
So, uh, yeah, so we, you know, we did the paternity test. It came back negative. My, you know, Mark was, he was, you know, he was pretty upset, pretty kind of devastated, but no, you know, nothing changed. It wasn't like, all right, you're out. See you mm -hmm. later. We stayed, you know, we stayed close again, even to this day, we still are in each other's lives, but I was, you know, it, it was still like things. I mean, things didn't change, but things obviously changed. So I talked to my cousin, Vicky again, who's more mom, but I told her about this and she's, you know, she's crying and teared up and just, you know, uh, I can't believe your mom did this. And she was like, but look up a guy. He wrestled in the WWF in the eighties. I mean, obviously it's WWE now, but he wrestled in the WWF and your mom was hanging out with him about the same time that she, you know, got pregnant with you also. So she was hanging out with both. So my mom, they would go to wrestling matches all the time. I mean, they, you know, my cousin Vicky, where there's pictures, like they met all of the wrestlers and knew all of them from like that golden era, like the Hulk Hogan era. Uh, you know, they met uh, Andre, the Andre, the giant, they met Jimmy, Su Jimmy Superfly Snooker held me when I was a baby. You know, the Rock's dad, uh, Rocky Johnson. They, You know, they met all these all these people. Was the Rock's dad a professional wrestler? Yeah, Rocky Johnson. I had no <laughs> idea. Today I learned. Yeah. No, we're here go. just laying facts on us. Okay, perfect. So yeah. she was kind of running yeah. around in this circle. The, Ro the Rock's daughter's currently in the WWE. Or I think, well, she's a wrestler. I don't know if she's in WWE. Wow. There's all kinds of different... It's, it's a family thing. His whole family was like in it. Yeah. But, and were you... So before she, your aunt told you that your mom was into like into this had you been were you a wrestling fan a huge yeah oh, wow. i mean i grew up you know i was obsessed like when i was a kid stone cold steve austin i hated the rock actually because he was a bad guy he was always against yeah. stone cold so when i was like growing up people were like you look like the rock i'm like oh, i hate that but now i love it so i'm like oh, yeah thanks <laughs> massive compliment <laughs> yeah. and did that yeah. love of wrestling come from your mom is she the one that got you into it she was into it. Yeah. Okay. So she was still really into it. And I mean, I did backyard wrestling matches when I was a kid, you know, we'd put each other through tables and just <laughs> did all and had it like a hand video camera <laughs> doing all that stuff. Um, I was obsessed every Monday night, Monday night raw every single week. Um, totally. Yeah, I was, I was obsessed with wrestling. I wanted to be a, a professional wrestler when I grew up. That was my dream in 1998. I was that was what I wanted to do. That or start a band like Corn. One of the two. <laughs> it's never too I, late. My two obsessions, yeah, Stone Cold and Corn <laughs> in '98. Um, so yeah, when when you know Vicky brought that up to me and she said, "Look up this guy. He wrestled in WWF." Yeah, I mean it was cool. I was like, "Okay, well, let me see." And I I searched the name, pulled up a YouTube video, and it was like looking into a mirror. It was there. You didn't need a paternity test. There was right. There is zero question, just zero question about it. I felt like I was looking at myself in nineteen in a nineteen eighty three WWF wrestling ring in, in you know wrestling trunks. <laughs> That's insane, and I don't think I knew. Well, I know that I didn't know. I don't know. Why I said that. I didn't know that you were into wrestling. Which tell us how that felt to be so into professional wrestling and then to know that that was in your blood. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome at that. I mean, by that point I was kind of, I wasn't really into it as much as I was right. when I was, you know, like a decade earlier when I was a kid, but it was, it's still something that I get like kind of fired up and, you know, talk about, especially that, that era of wrestling that I grew up watching. So yeah, when I found that out, I was like, well, that, Wait, we can swear on this podcast, right? Oh, Absolutely. fuck yeah. It's okay. required. <laughs> it's required, yeah. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, this is 
fucking cool. Like, wow, that you know, it makes sense. And my mom must have been like kind of shit in her pants, like as I was growing up, like totally obsessed if she's trying to keep this secret, <laughs> you right. know, of who your real dad is. Because not only did I find out he was a wrestler in the WWF, but I also found out he was black because Mark, who I thought was my dad, is Italian. So I was told my whole life that I was Italian. Right. And I came to find out my real dad was black. And just which, to remind the audience, your mom raised you to be, quite, or not you to be, but your mom was quite racist while you were was. growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Yeah, my mom was. Yeah, she was. She was racist. She did not talk so, well about black people. <laughs> yeah. So she date like because you said she was hanging out with the this wrestler. Yeah, right. Did she date him, or were they just like friends, or? Well, How does I, that work if she's... I think I think she was kind of like a wrestling groupie, if, mm -hmm. we're, if we're being quite honest. But yeah, I mean, she there was a picture. I had a picture of of him with her and my grandma dated November 1984, and I was born September 1985. <laughs> so, like, she was you know she brought him around yeah. her family. So yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know where the racism came from. Maybe he like ditched her and she was like oh i don't like black people now <laughs> i i don't know i i have no idea because the other part with my mom is like you know a lot of i, I can't bring any type of logic to a conversation yeah. with her you know right. she's she's been a, a, a pathological liar her whole life she's just and i'm not saying this meanly i'm just saying like she's just deeply illogical and irrational so i really i couldn't bring any type of like logic to a conversation with her so, you know, trying to dig at that with her, it would get you nowhere. You'd, right. have, you know, you'd have a better chance, like talking to this bookshelf behind me. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm trying to refresh and re refresh the audience as well, because my mind is swirling too. She knew that Mark was not your biological father. Mm -hmm. Where, okay. I, I think she, I mean, I'm thinking she did. Right. You know, I, Again, it's hard to like, you know, I, unfortunately I can't call her and be like, Hey, what's like the whole story here? Cause right. You know, you're, you're not, you're going to get a fairy tale. Right. You Have know? you ever I tried? Mean, like so you actually, find out this information yeah. and then so what, I, what are your next steps? Yeah. Like when I found this out, she was still denied it. She was like, no, that's not your real dad. I was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, mom, like the jig is up. You, yeah. Like the jig is that didn't. <laughs> did not did not and matter. has that been the extent of the conversation that you've had with her about it pretty much yeah because she's you know she just kind of blew it off or you know just denied it and you know this isn't this isn't your real dad and uh, blah 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 that's not who he is it's like, all right and what were your <laughs> conversations because i'm sure that's incredibly frustrating but it sounds like you were also at a point where you're just kind of resigned to yeah. that kind of reaction from her and that kind of conversation what was your conversation like with the rest of your family you know I, I mean I talked you know I talked to Vicky about it and you know we looked at it and like now I I think a lot of them knew but they just didn't I think my mom you know she she uh she did a lot of threats and you know threaten them if if you really tell Mark I'm going to take him out of your life and you're not going to be able to see him and because she didn't want me around like mark either like you know my italian dad so she you know probably because she knew you know she probably knew that he he wasn't he wasn't really my dad 
who knows? But she, yeah, she didn't want to take me around anybody. So they, you know, Vicky was, and by this point, my, my aunt had passed away. My grandma had already passed away. Um, so really the only person that was around was Vicky, you know, at that time. And, you know, she's, she's just always been, I mean, she's been to my, she was at my high school graduation. My mom wasn't, she was at my college graduation. My mom wasn't, she was at my master's graduation with Kai. My mom wasn't, she was at, wow. you know, my concerts when I sang in the metal band, my mom wasn't, you know, like, so Vicky has always just been mom mm -hmm. to me. You know, That's so amazing for, I mean, thanks. Thank God you had someone to step into that role and be able to confide in. She just sounds like an incredibly loving and giving person. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, she is. I mean, and she has three other kids younger, you know, my two little sisters and little brother. I always like joke. I'm like, I feel like I was like her teen pregnancy. <laughs> and then she met like her husband who she's been with forever and had, you know, my half brother and sisters. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at now with it. <laughs> so yeah. They, shout out to Vicky. Shout out to Vicky. Oh, yeah. So you, so you find this out, you're doing kind of this research on it, have pinpointed who this person is and then where does it go yeah, so at that, I mean, at that time, this was, uh, I was, I think I was, I was 25. So yeah, 12 years, this was 12 years ago. So I found out, you know, and then I started telling everybody and, you know, showing this video to people. And then I, I came to find out like, this is wild, especially this just really speaks to genetics. I came to find out that, you know, he, so he was from the area. He was from Pittsburgh. He wasn't like a big time he wasn't, it wasn't Jimmy Superfly Snooker. It wasn't, uh, you know. You mean like, it wasn't The Rock? <laughs> it wasn't, the, I don't think so. I wish it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, you know, he wasn't like some huge name. He was what they call like a jobber. So he was just in Pittsburgh. And when WWF would roll through, he would just get beat up. So he would wrestle like the big guys, the big names, and then just get his ass kicked. So if you watch these videos, like he sucks. Uh, <laughs> he's not very good. So, you know, we did some research and started, you know, poking around and different people looking into things. And it turned out that he went to, at, so at this point I had gone to a community college and then I was, you know, graduated and I was teaching math at a college, at a community college. And I was also working in administration at the community college. I came to find out that he went to the same community college then he transferred to the same university I transferred to for math. He taught high school math and then he was a high school principal. So he was in high school administration. So I was, wow. I did the same thing. Like he did wrestling college, that career path. And then I did rock star. So I did my music mm -hmm. and then college, you know, so we were, he taught high school math. I taught college math. He taught, and then he went into high school administration. I was in college administration yeah. before I even knew who he was before i even yes. knew like well before i knew all this stuff about him after we right. did, did he do wrestling prior to all that stuff or was he, he like did. high school principal moonlighting yeah I, I think he was i think he did it prior because he was also a bodybuilder he won like mr pittsburgh like he he was a big he was a big guy you know and he was a professional bodybuilder and then he got into wrestling and i think he was just doing wrestling while he was, you know, finishing his degrees right. and stuff okay. like that. Like I said, he didn't choose to travel with the, you know, yeah. the WWF. He just, he stayed in Pittsburgh and just did it, you know, when it would come through town, which so I I'm guess gonna... was fairly often then. 
Some donate sperm, <laughs> some wrestle. Exactly. And some do and donate sperm. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So coming back to this theme of, you know, your, your mother had, you had been brought up in a home with racist tendencies and all that. Mm-hmm. You have proven yourself time and time again to be a very independent, free thinker. So I don't, you know, she don't know how much of that influenced you growing up, but was there any mm-hmm. revelation there or feeling about that, about finding out that your dad was black? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was what I had to sit with for a second. I was like, well, what does this mean to me? You know, right. that doesn't mean anything to me because I'm not racist, <laughs> you right. know? Um, and, you know, thankfully, not only was I raised by my mom, but I was raised by my aunt who was Vicky's mm-hmm. mom also who we talked about in the last yes. episode, Aunt Doe. So Aunt Doe was just, I mean, she welcomed everybody into the house. At, like, you know, Vicky's, Vicky's two best friends in high school, one was a gay white guy, <laughs> the other was a gay white woman that dated a black woman, you know, so it was just very, uh, you know, there was never any people are different mm-hmm. or, you know, not everybody was the same. Everybody was accepted. We all just laughed together you know, loved hanging out, especially with Anto. So, you know, seeing, I really always clung to her and I was more, I was so much more connected to her and I was just so, I just loved being with her so much. So, you know, her, her tendencies rubbed off on me way more than my mom's did, but I still had to sit with that. Even when I was writing the book Mm -hmm. recently, you know, I was, I was really still, because now I have a son that's mixed. Right. Mm -hmm. So like what, you know, did again, did it mean anything? And I think what I came to realize was because of being raised like that, at least seeing it, you know, on an extreme degree with my mom, I did have this sort of underlying belief that black people are at least different than Mm -hmm. me, which is really fucking stupid because I'm black. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I think I saw them as them, but I, I think I just saw black people as different than other people you know and i think that was a result of always hearing mm-hmm. you know this group is not as good as this group you know this group and it, it just it's it like hits you you hear it so much and it's kind of cemented in your you know sort of foundation as you're coming up and you know obviously through um developmental years you know because i lived with my mom until i was 15 before she moved to california so you know that whole time again i was with my aunt a lot but I was primarily with my mom. So a lot of that did, you know, you know, just that part of it. And I was like, once I realized that I was like, Oh, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. So mm-hmm. it was easy to just kind of like shoo that thought away and kind of burn it out of me. But I think it's also, it was important to write about and talk about even now because just, you know, racism isn't always blaring and it isn't always, you know, rebel flags and it isn't always, you know, white hoods and, you know, screaming the N word. Like that's, that's not always what racism is. Racism is often institutionalized. It is institutionalized and it Mm -hmm. is really, you know, really like you almost have to like see it, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's so like fine and kind of in the fabric of society. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, So just seeing a group of people as different, that's racist. (laughs) <laughs> you right. know so you know once i realized that i was like oh yeah that's totally inaccurate and it's probably something i would have never thought about mm-hmm. you know or i would have never picked up on because again i wasn't like i don't talk to black people you know i wasn't yeah. you know again, i was i wasn't racist but i was like oh, okay well, now now i'm in this group does it mean anything and mm-hmm. then i had to 
back and be like, yeah, I guess I kind of picked up that this group is different because, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, my mom would always say how bad black people were and X, Y, and Z. And she would drop the N word a lot. And, you know, when I was little, I actually, I remember I was just, I think I was just an asshole kid. I was like eight or something. And I sat in someone's hedges, like playing out with friends in the summer. And this, this white guy from the porch saw me and I didn't see him. And he screamed like, uh, you know, get out of my hedges, you little N word. And I was just kind of like looking around. I was like, what are yeah. you talking who's he talking to? <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. you know, I, I'm white, I'm Italian. What do you mean? So even then I was like, Oh, don't call me that. I'm not that, mm-hmm. you know, that's reserved for that. You know? So it was yeah. like, I, once I like dug into it, I was like, Oh man, that was just think, like I said, just thinking that way, just thinking a, di- a group of people was at least different. And and not just black people, like any group of people, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's such a crazy, that's a, like, if any, if you, it's important to see if that's in you and to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because since, since then, since having this revelation and taking the time to look inward and say, what does this mean to me? Mm -hmm. Have you, well, I have a two prong question for you. One, obviously you were correctly assessed at least once. Uh Did people often identify (laughs) you as black or mixed race growing up and that was confusing for you oh always and it it never like bothered me i mean well unless someone called me the n-word i was like what do you mean (laughs) you know um but you know it's sort of in a playful way or in a just friendly way where people are like you mixed you know yeah all the time i remember i was when i worked out at this one gym i was like 18 and this guy he was a little older than me he was like just real pumped up like black dude and you know we were talking he was like He's like, you know, what nationality are you? And I was like, oh, I'm Italian. He was like, mm, you got some, well, he said N-word in you. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, you might be, but you still got some in you. And I was like, all right. You know, so I never took, I, I was never like offended. I, I honestly just agreed. I was like, yeah, I'm sure that I am. And then mm-hmm. once it was fully revealed, I was like, oh, yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> and then since then, have you, it doesn't matter. It Either answer is acceptable, obviously. Have you done the work to dive deep into that culture and what it means to you or because I know that with mixed people often it's um, even more alienating because Mm -hmm. you're not white enough to be not white and you're not black enough to be black black. and I know that Mm -hmm. probably having that revealed is part of your identity you're like well do I can I claim this this isn't for me because I haven't lived that experience Mm -hmm. so tell us about yeah. any homework that you did or what what it does mean to you now yeah i mean i i i should i should read more books on it <laughs> you know just more just more books as far as like critical race theory goes things like that cuz i you know i'm not really schooled that well or well versed in that just because i'd like to read that but when i when i i had I actually had a counselor at the community college that i went to and she helped me with transferring and things like that and she was Jamaican. So when all this came out, she was like, oh, I'm going to teach you how to be black. You know? <laughs> and, yes. and it was at her house for Thanksgiving with her family. It was the first time I had greens. <laughs> so, you know, it, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I am. I embraced it and, you know, just, you know, talked about it more and, you know, definitely shared my story as far as like, yeah, I'm new to being black. So what do I do? What, <laughs> what do you guys got for me? Because I was, yeah, I was raised white, you know, I was raised to believe that I was, I was white and, you know, you see like, there's like privilege that comes along with that. And, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it that was a it is interesting to put it, you know, you put it that way, where you're like, you're not white enough to be white, you're not black enough to be black, because I mean, I, you know, I was raised in a black neighborhood and I was raised with a single mom. I didn't have a dad. A lot of that, I fall into that sort of demographic with that. But even when I was going through that, like, yeah, it was, it still felt like I was separate, you know, from right where I was. It's, it's, it's like a weird thing. You know, it's kind of weird to even try to unpack now, you know, does that, does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. It, it sort of doesn't sense. make sense to me. <laughs> we, we found out uh, through this journey that we're Mexican. And okay. I, <laughs> they can maybe pass a little bit more than I can. And I've had like a really hard time because I'm like, I think it would be awesome to be Mexican. <laughs> but I still don't feel like I can say that because I feel uh, like that just, I, I look like an idiot. <laughs> well, and that's sort of because it's like, we're a quarter Mexican in our, in our DNA. We have a grandmother who is 100% Mexican, Mm -hmm. but we were not raised with any Mexican culture. Sure. Yeah. So I still wouldn't go and, uh, not because I don't want to, because I would fucking love to, (laughs) but because I have not experienced the same level of oppression that mm-hmm. Mexicans have experienced or grown up in that community, I would never feel totally comfortable claiming that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that, yeah. Have you been warmly received into the black community or has it very much been a thing of you've had white male privilege all your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I no, I, I feel like I was really accepted quickly because again, people don't think that I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know when they see me so i you know it's kind of funny i remember when i went back to college i was like 22 and i was at the community college and you know there was a lot there was a huge group of, of students i'd always hung out and it was they were all black you know and they always like when they always hung out with me and we, i was like hey the black kids like man that's cool <laughs> i can just picture you walking <laughs> like having cool. a having a conversation and then you walking away and then talking to each other and being like that guy is black he's such an idiot yeah. Yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll find out yeah. someday yeah, that's been it a hundred percent yeah like people are always like yeah, well, we knew I mean, <laughs> you know once i'm like hey guys guess what i'm black they're like, you're like no shit sherlock yeah, we know. welcome you fucking moron <laughs> the more and more we talk to people the more we see that that is actually a huge component of having your parentage, your true parentage revealed to you is it often comes with learning that you are a race that you didn't know you. So I think that there should just be, I'm hoping that as more comes to light because it's happening so fast right now, that there is like a major study done on that. And then I made a comprehensive book released on exactly what it means to a person to find out that you are something that you didn't know and that you may or may not have been raised to hate your yeah. your whole life. Very I interesting. I, I just got this idea of like a book title like called just So You're Black Now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my gosh, I would so read that. Because yeah. so I'm, like I'm like a lot of black. I'm like mm-hmm. 40, I'm like almost 50%. Right. We, you know, I ended up doing a, I mean, it's a little later in the story, but I ended up doing an ancestry test and yeah. Yeah, it showed that I'm almost 50% Nigerian descent. Wow. There you go. I just, whenever we do these kind of interviews, I try and like put myself into your shoes. So this could be totally 
out of pocket, wrong, incorrect, and I'm just projecting. But if I had been raised by a super racist mom and then found out that I was, in fact, black, I feel like I would have two thoughts. One, is she like racist towards me? And that's why our relationship is the way it is. Or is she subconsciously has this become a thing because she did not want me to like find out in any way so she wanted to try and distance Distance. me yeah from that situation is that any accuracy at all in your thought process or probably more the first one because we just didn't Mm -hmm. like each other yeah you know thanks for reminding me I'm just <laughs> hey, do you think your mom hates you for the reason that you have nothing, no control over whatsoever? <laughs> yes. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I I do think so because yeah, like you know, like I said, we we really, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's specifically that, or you know, she was she's just a very hard person to get along with. She, she doesn't, I think it's more that to be completely honest, because there's not one person in our family that she talks to, you know, with, I mean, Vicky's my cousin, like I said, and we actually have a lot of cousins, pretty big family as as far as cousins go. And my mom doesn't talk to anyone and everyone has the exact same metric of her and everyone has the exact same opinion of her and says the same things and all the stories corroborate. And that's a hard word for me today. I don't know why all the stories, you know line up <laughs> and right. yeah so i i think it's really her personality i think you know i think she loved me when i was little and a baby and like it's cute and you know they're little and cute and stuff but once you like start growing up and it's an, another person that you got to interact with i just don't think she has a skill set in interacting with people yeah. <laughs> unfortunately because she she does she has a lot of I mean, I don't know now because we're pretty far away from each other, but, you know, at least for the whole time I lived with her, untreated and undiagnosed mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I'm you wondering, know. have you guys heard any research on that or anything? I wonder if, and I don't want this to sound like an excuse or giving someone a pass or anything like that, but I'm wondering if there's any correlation between um, your mental health deteriorating and your ideas or your view of the world changing like that drastically be you know as a result of that because it is interesting she obviously at one point was attracted to black people um so yeah it's just it would be so interesting to see you know was there something did something happen like how did yeah how did this come to be that and that yeah if we could separate like if you were if you were studying somebody that that was like the only, excuse me, the only thing going on, like Mm -hmm. I said, with my mom, because of like the like mythomania and how much she lies and stuff like that, it's, it's hard to get a read. Right. Like separate. That would be accurate of, you know, what, what happened that you became racist. Yeah. You know, (laughs) because like I said, in dealing with her, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm almost wondering, like, did, did this guy dump her? <laughs> yeah, her like, while she was pregnant, she was right. like, fuck you guys. Or, yeah, I don't like, know. yeah, like, fuck you and your whole race. I do mean, you have interest in some people do, some people don't? Uh, do you have interest in 
trying to heal that relationship at any point or have you drawn the boundary that it's best for you to be separate in this way? It's mostly the, yeah, we're we're mostly in the boundary area, Mm -hmm. not to, you know, and that's not to say I would never let, you know, let her come around Kai or, you know, visit or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, we're not going to be doing like daily talks (laughs) anytime soon. It's also another checkbox in the nature versus nurture argument because you clearly are a very well-liked, personable individual <laughs> proven by the fact that, you know, you have a dad that's not actually your biological dad that still is like, no, like we're, we're, <laughs> we're tight, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like if you were not like a likable person then that would have been just like all right i'm relieved of this duty right and if that seems to be kind of like a common theme in your life is these people who are so willing to like take you in yeah because of who you are thank you i I sincerely appreciate you saying that i mean i wrote a chapter in the book called i think it's it's either called the i think the village or something like that but it's it's around that proverb of it takes a village you know and I mean, I do have a massive village and I'm just, I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, I, I really attribute a lot of that to, uh, you know, not just to God for giving me that gift of being able to connect with people, but showing me an example of it through my aunt and, mm-hmm. you know, how everybody just loved her. Everybody wanted to be around her. Everybody was drawn to her and, and, and she was just so likable, you know, she was so likable. So I think I picked up a lot of that from her. And now, and it's just been my whole life, you know, especially when I was, I mean, I lost her when I was 18 and so many friends, parents just stepped in and became like parents to me. So many people have come into my life that didn't have to, that have loved me for no reason, opened doors for me, gave me free food all the time when I was a broke college student at so many cafeterias. I mean, just, you know, I just had this, it's, you know, I, I call it favor and it, I don't mean that to sound egotistical. Um, but I, I really, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be like too God in the podcast and what I'm talking about, but it is God's favor. You know, I really truly believe that and I'm thankful for it, you know, and I see, and what's, what's really cool and I'm really thankful for is I see it in Kai. So many people just love that little boy and he's, he is like a light and it's not just cause like, he's like cute, but like there's some, he has some kind of energy. Yes. And I don't think I'm saying that just because I'm his dad. Maybe I am. But he does have some kind of energy where like people are really interested and touched when he like if he gives someone a fist bump, they're like, melt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, just, you know, um, so it yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's, um, it's, man, it's gotten me through so much because I have so many people that are just there for me. And still, to this day, you know, I'm walking through some stuff, even now. And I have so many people that are just I mean, ridiculous, you know, just ridiculous. The the village that I have around me, I'm so thankful for it. So thank you for saying I'm sure that, Kenny. I really appreciate that. Would say Absolutely. the same about you. Of course. So before, I want to get, before we do, just because you're a writer, Mark, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, something that I've been doing, I've been having to, as we do more interviews mm-hmm. about my mom's decision to separate us, it's become abundantly clear to me that I do in fact have to reveal some things about my dad that I don't want to. I have been very protective mm-hmm. over him up to this point. Yeah. Um, but the truth is he did threaten to leave my mom if she kept all three babies mm-hmm. and they had a relationship fraught with infidelity. He was not a good husband, but he mm-hmm. was such a good father to me that I 
Yeah. I'm having a hard time telling people about all of his faults. And I don't, I don't obviously have a chance to talk to him about any of that. Mm. Um, but what I've been doing, if you're interested, because you probably won't repair that relationship with your mom with her, but if you're interested in looking into it further within yourself, I've been writing my dad's life story from his perspective, mm. from what I know of him. Yeah. Okay. And it's been wow. incredibly healing. Um, so I wouldn't make the suggestion if you weren't a writer, but being <laughs> as though you are, yeah. that might be a really helpful or healing way to That's... try to understand what the logic was at any point in time or why your mom is the way she is. And I'm I'm really proud of you for facing that, you know, and having that conversation, even, even with yourself, let alone um, lots of other people. <laughs> but it, yeah, because that is a very... That shows a lot of growth on your end and a lot of growing on your end because, I mean, you said it perfectly. You know, he was uh, great to me, treated me like gold. I was his little girl. He wasn't, didn't do the greatest things to other people that I love. Mm -hmm. That's hard. That's hard to wrestle with. Thank you, Mark. Back to wrestling. (laughs) Back to wrestling. Okay, so I want to... I want to get into um, this kind of revelation that you just had. And Mm. then I would love, we obviously want to get into what you're doing now and how all of this, everything that we've talked to up to this point has shaped who you are today, shaped what you choose to do with your everyday life and um, how it has shaped you as a father. Mm -hmm. So tell us about... So you, you've had this DNA test. Mark is not your father. You and Mark are still homies, yada, yada, yada. But I think that you just found, found something out about why you even, why this test was even taken. Yeah. So man, my life, (laughs) Jesus, come on. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I really, we're kind of in the very recent future very recent past. I mean, uh, so I released the book and, you know, it's been doing well and that's why I'm here. You know, thank you guys for (laughs) connecting with me. This has been amazing. Um, so the book's been doing well and I, you know, I had some interesting media opportunities, especially here in Pittsburgh. I was on, um, like CBS news, Pittsburgh and doing some interviews and stuff. So, you know, the it's, it's been catching on as far as media goes, which is great. And I went to breakfast with my dad and well, with Mark and, you know, we, you know, we had breakfast and, and he looked at me and I, I don't know if it's because the book has caught on so much or, you know, cause I talked about that a lot. Um, I don't know, maybe it started to get some, I, I can't speak for him there, but uh, he, he did say, he was like, you know, I, I've lied to you once. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> I was like, okay. Here we go again. And here we go. Oh my. I was like, all right. Well, you know what? That's fine. Like, what? What is it? And he he did reveal. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to reveal this publicly, but um, oh fuck it. So <laughs> he uh he said that when his his wife at the time they're not married anymore. She uh she said to him. I don't think Mark's really your son. So I think you need to do a paternity test. And apparently, you know, 
he, he told me it became this huge fight and you know they were it was the biggest fight they ever had and you know just going back and forth it turned out <laughs> she stole my toothbrush stole my toothbrush forced him to do the test they did the test came back negative so before we did the test they already knew the results so he had to come he had to come up with a, a lie to get me to do the test which i'm just like i'm like looking back i'm like you could have just just asked this i don't give a shit <laughs> you know we could have just done it but you know they that happened and we you know he was like well you know we have different last names and you know i want to put you on my health insurance so my company wants us to do this paternity test and then we did the paternity test so do you remember when when so for the audience when mark is saying recent future this happened in between the first time that i had spoken to mark and now and do you remember when we talked on the phone and you told me this this thing about the insurance and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> i was like mark is that normal to yeah, I, do that i was like i don't think maybe uh, you know maybe thing. i'm just too like gullible and people just lie to me easily because i'm like oh okay <laughs> well no i think that you believe the best in people still somehow yeah <laughs> good um, good word good word <laughs> somehow <laughs> what was she imploring for an actual or and you might not know was she imploring him to find out whether or not you were biologically his because he had taken you under his wing and you were living with them and he was kind of supporting you in that I way mean, yeah maybe i can't speak for her, so i, I don't yeah. i don't know what maybe you just needed to know it, it was a need to know thing because yeah i mean he was supporting me i wasn't paying rent like he was paying for me to go to school because he opened the door. He said, you know, I'll pay for you to go back to college and you can live here. You don't have to pay rent. Like, uh, yeah, so I just, I think that's, and I think that's where Ricky is getting at is it's of course, like we can't speak for her. We haven't been in this position, but I feel like our first instinct is to be like, why the fuck do you care? Like it's, mm. it's, and we might be wrong in that. Like the yeah. more I think of it, it, I mean, I guess it would be a little bit different if you were very, it was even a possibility that you were trying to take this dude for a ride. Right. But you were also told he was your, your biological father. So right. that isn't the case. But I, I guess the more that I think about it, the more I'm like, I mean, they should have just asked you. She right. should have just yeah. asked you. But I, I, I suppose I can see her wanting to protect resources. Right. Yeah. And yeah. because and Mark has, um, her and Mark have kids. Yeah. Yeah, well, she had a son, and then they have a son together. A son together, so that I wish might have factored in as well. But I, yeah, yeah, and and you, we're but we're also missing a huge. You find out who your dad is. Do you go looking for him? What happens? Yeah, yeah. So, um, found out who he was. Let me think. Yeah, so we find out who he was, and Mark actually reached out to him. And then Mark called me and said, I don't think this is going to go how you want it to go. Because when Mark reached out to him, he just started like screaming and like losing his damn mind and saying like, you got the wrong person. You want, you want Snooka. <laughs> you want Jimmy. Sl you want Superfly. That's what you're looking for. I think everyone was blaming pregnancies on Superfly. Who knows? Oh um, <laughs> but, you know, he's like, you, you know, you got the wrong person. And if you do this again, this is harassment. Uh, I'm going to call the cops if you do it again. So 
that was when I was 25. That was right, like right when we found all the found out all of this stuff. Um, and then fast forward, right before Kai was born, I did um, an ancestry test, and it connected me because at that, you know, when we reached out to him, it was based on a YouTube video. So you took your took your ancestry test. Did the ancestry test, and it connected me to a guy. His um, and he wrote in my book. His name was Eric, and it, it, it said like you're li- likely an uncle, you know. So I looked. At, it was no question. I knew it was his brother. I knew, you know, this wow. we all have this smile. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have the same same smile. So I sent him a message and I said, "Hey, you know, I believe your brother's my dad. Obviously, like this is connecting us. Um, I'm not looking for anything. I'm not. I'm not even looking for confirmation." I'm really just looking to see if there's a family history of medical issues because I have a son on the way. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want anything else. And he was just so warm, so welcoming, so excited. Um, and, you know, he and I built a great relationship. And, he, you know, his message to me back was, you look just like your dad. Wow. You know, and he immediately welcomed me into the family. And, you know, we went and visited him when Kai was born in Florida where he lives. And so, uh, he, you know, he, he was just a great guy. And the other crazy part of that is I found out that I have a half sister, um, who was older than me, like 20, about 20 years older than me. Donna oh, wow. was incredible. So she's amazing. She, uh, yeah, she's, she's wild. She's just got <laughs> the best energy. And when her and I met, it was, it was like, we had grown up together, you know, just incredible. So, we are familiar with the feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that, you know, that part was really cool. And then even with that, even with all of that, um, Uncle Eric would reach out to him and he still to this day does not want to meet me, doesn't want anything to do with me. He agreed to answer some questions from my book and I sent him the questions and then he disagreed he, or he just decided not to do it. Um he lives, I could walk to his house from where I live currently. Oh I could walk God. to his house. Wow. And he has two younger children, actually. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a half younger brother and a half younger sister. They're in their like 20s. Do you think that the that his very strong resistance has anything to do with his feelings towards your mom? What I've learned, I I don't know. Um I've learned that he, wow, him and my mom do have a lot in common. I'm now I'm just seeing this connection, but he's very much uh, isolated from his family, and he doesn't talk to my older sister like at all. You know, they're they're very much estranged. I mean, they talk here and there, but not. I don't think she's talked to him since he did not like decided not to answer the questions for the book because she was the bridge. You know, he he would only talk to me like through her. Um, but yeah, he's very much uh, isolated from his family too. So. So you've never you've never met him in person, Mm-mm. and it sounds like it's probably Brilliant. not in the cards. And how do you feel about that? You know, at like when when Mark called me when I was like twenty five and said this isn't how how you wanted to go, and he was like this, I was upset. It hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, you you felt rejected, and um, you know, it's kind of sad. Then we fast forward twelve years later. I don't really, you know, I I did everything I could do. You know, I I didn't um you know i i was never hateful or mean toward him you know and and the door is always open like the ball the ball is like fully in his court if he ever is like 
okay, Mark, let's get coffee together. I'd be like, mm-hmm. all right. But I, yeah, I just never had that, like, I don't know. I never had that. I never carried around a grudge. I never carried around like a chip on my shoulder when I was younger. Like, oh, my dad left. I'll, I'll knock him out if I ever meet him. I just ne- never gave a shit. So when oh, I, man. you know, when I met, <laughs> when I met Mark, it was like, hey, what's up, man? Cool. And then it was like, you're not my dad. I was like, all right. You know, very much. I don't know. There's a, there's a book called Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And it's written by Dan Millman. Everyone should read that book. It's a fantastic book. But um, there is a there's a really good story in it, but I can't fully remember it, so I'm not going to get into it. But it's essentially, quickly, it's about this. Um, actually, I do remember it. it, it it's 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 taking place in like like long long ago. And you know, this girl falls in love with this guy. They have a baby out of wedlock, which is a no no then. So the fa- like her family takes the baby up to this monk in the mountains and says, "This is your baby." And he opens the door and says, okay. And then, you know, she go, they go back to town. She gets married to this guy and, you know, then they go back and they say, Hey, that's our baby. Give it back. And Monk says, okay. So that's kind of, <laughs> you know, how I right. have been with life in a lot of ways where it's like, Hey, this is your dad. And I'm like, okay. And then it's like, it's not your dad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. You know? Um, so if he's like, you know, basically like the wrestler's like, fuck you. I'm like, okay. And if he's ever like, hey, not fuck you, let's get coffee. I'll be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like everything that you've been through in your life has almost forced you to sit with yourself, be with yourself, really get to know who you are, mm-hmm. which has created just someone who is very independent. And I don't want to say you haven't been able to count on people all the time. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like you have like have sort of this, um, this identity that is a protection and a shield for you. And it's just, you know, has, lets you roll with the punches because you it has everything has been so unpredictable. So um, it feels like that kind of grounds you. Yeah, <clears throat> and I and would pause it. Go ahead, Mark. <clears throat> no, good, good. <laughs> um, Cause I'm just sitting here thinking about your, your biological father. And, you know, obviously we were so fortunate to be warmly received, but it doesn't always happen that way. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how much responsibility anyone has to receive someone warmly that they, obviously this is a little bit different because this was not, he, he did have relations with your mom, I, but we don't know if he knew she was pregnant or, you know, what have oh, you. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but if we're looking for, the positive that came out of it, you now, I'm sure very intentionally, whether you know that or not, have forged such a strong identity as a strong, present father. 100%. And I don't know if that would have happened if you had that in your own life. You know, I feel like some people who come from a really tight-knit nuclear family, those actually tend to dissolve quicker because... They have no idea what it's like to not have it. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they, don't have that, they don't realize the value. It's um, not like a skill that they had to build or a, something that they had to. It's not even aware. It's not in their it. awareness. It just, yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not in their awareness. So I don't know if you'd be the father that you are today. We all walk through stuff. All of us. I'm not saying I walk through worse things than anybody. Whatever breaks your heart, breaks your heart. It doesn't matter what it was. Right. So your pain is valid is my point in saying that my pain is valid. What I walked through, my life has been fucking terrible at so many points, just gut wrenching. And when I sat down to write this book, I had, I had all the, you know, things that I went through and walked through and I 
when I was like, you know, why am I saying these stories? Why am I telling people about this stuff? What's, what's the big deal? Everybody goes through things. Um, and then when the message hit me, dads kiss your sons, I was like, oh, that's when I went through it. And I can say this fully about my little boy to get to him. I would walk through that stuff a million times yeah, over and over and over again to get to that little boy. Cause I love him. I get emotional thinking about him. He's the greatest, greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I just love him. Like I, there's no words. There will never be a word that I can put that would even make sense or come close to how much I love that little boy. And I would, I would do, you know, I would do anything. I would walk through my shitty fucking life over and over and over and over and over to get back to that little boy, no matter what. It's making me cry because I am just picturing um, Kai listening to this when he's older. <laughs> and I, I really, really hope that he gets the chance to do that. So <laughs> that's too. a perfect, perfect transition into where you are now. So tell us about where you are now, how this has, just like Ricky said, how this has shaped who you are. Tell us about Kai and then tell us about your book. Kai is the greatest. He is my like best friend. We go to Starbucks every day. Does just he get about. A cup? <laughs> no, no, but he gets pumpkin loaf. He gets, he gets pumpkin loaf He's and he loves it guy. every day. Um, the, you know, all the baristas love him. Kai has influence. Kai has, he has, he's so loved by so many people and it's so easy to love him. And I'm, I, you know, maybe I'm just saying this because I'm his dad. I don't think so, but he's just such a good boy. He's just such a good little boy. And I've been taking him out in public, even though he was born in the pandemic, we would, we would always be out Starbucks, usually going on walks. He's been around people all the time. So he's just really comfortable being out, being in public. He's really well-behaved in public, but the I get emotional talking about this. The, <laughs> the best, one of the best things about him is he's so loving. And I mean, even this morning, I was like grabbing like my shirt out of the drawer and he was here and he was, I didn't know what he was doing, but he was kissing me on the cheek. And I like turn over and then he, he you know, he kisses me and he just will randomly run up to me and hug me. And he's, you know, he just likes cuddling and, you know, we just hold each other while we're watching movies and, he, he's just such a loving, loving little boy. And that is so far my greatest achievement as a dad <laughs> is, is, you know, him and, and his love, like just how loving and open he is with showing his love. Cause it's not just to me, it's to his brother, his sister, to his mom, to his everybody, everybody in his life. It's a Kai hug, Kai kiss. I love you. Like he's, he's the best. Um, and oh, man, you know, there's, I don't know. There's, it's just, you hold on to, it goes so fast. You know, I mean, I feel like he was a little tiny baby fit. He fit right here, uh, like 20 minutes ago. And now he's going to be three in a couple weeks. And he's just this huge kid. He, he's super active. Like he climbs, it's real funny. He'll climb onto my shoulders. He'll stand straight up. I'm not holding him like total crazy balance. And he'll do like a backflip off my shoulders. Like he's wow. a wild, he's a little, he's fearless. And that fearlessness comes by being loved. And when you know dad's always going to catch you, you'll do shit like that. Right. <laughs> and he does that. Um, so, yeah, becoming a dad, man, just truly the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. 
that's a cliche thing to say, but I mean, I really, I really mean that, you know, and I think about all the dreams that I have and, you know, succeeding as a writer and succeeding more with the book and speaking to more audiences and being on podcasts like this. Like, this is part of my dream, you know, being here right now with you guys, like this is lived reality in a, you know, dream lived reality, seeing all these things happen and, you know, the things that I want to come to pass. But I also think about when I'm with him, because I'm always thinking about, you know, my dreams and my goals and stuff. But when I'm with him, I'm like, what would I rather have? Would I rather have this goal down here or would I rather be right here with him? And it's always right here with him. So it's so cool to like every day be right where you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I, that's how I feel as a dad. Every day I'm right where I want to be. Did you, you know? al- did you always want to be a dad? No, <laughs> no, I don't think. I didn't see it come. I was 34, you know, when I found out I was going to be a dad. And to be honest, by that point, I was like, no, we're, I'm not, you know, it's probably not going to happen. It would have happened by now. Um, so no, I never really anticipated. And, and to be honest, I was, oh, this is a big part of the story. This is a big part of the book is I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was out of my fucking mind. I didn't, obviously we just talked about my whole life. Like I didn't see not only did I not see a dad, I didn't even see a healthy, really family. You know, I didn't see any of that stuff. So how could I do it? And, and I was, you know, I was just so, I was so scared and I just wanted, you know, I, I didn't even want, I didn't even want Aaron to go through with the pregnancy. Like that's how scared I was, you know? And if she did, I wanted to do adoption, which like saying that now makes me want to fucking puke mm-hmm. to be honest, because I'm on the other side of what fear was bullshitting me you know fear is a liar everybody needs to know that and remind themselves that every day when you're walking towards something and you get scared fear is a liar it's it's a lie period and you know i'm so thankful that when i when i told vicky this was the turning point for me i told vicky it was like on christmas in like 2019 i was like so i'm gonna be a dad and just cry and tears and so excited and so joyful and i was like wait I'm not in trouble because for some reason in my brain, I was like, (laughs) what's that? You were still a teenager. Yes. Yes. I was like, I was like 16 that just got my girlfriend pregnant. Like like, I'm not, you know, a full grown adult that, you know, has, you know, a career and education and, you know, all these things. I was, yeah. So I was, and once that happened, I was like, oh, this is a good thing. Like, this is a really good thing that um, I'm going to be a dad. And, you know, I sat through that and this is the message for, for so many dads soon, especially soon to be dads um, is just sit through that fear, you know, sit through that discomfort because what's on the other side is like this love that's just out of control. You know, it's just totally out of control. I want to just pick a little nugget out of what you said about when you were talking about Kai and you said that he's fearless and that's, Mm -hmm. that comes from being loved. And I think, that's so important and you're helping flip the script on what we have done to men in our in mm-hmm. our society is that tough love you know uh, yeah. you gotta toughen up you gotta be this strong man guy. Yeah. yeah and that's all bullshit that is what creates fear and mm-hmm. makes it's really bad so i just really admire that you have kind of flipped that script and you're like being loved is what makes you fearless that's really cool 100 because he he knows i'm always going to catch him yeah yeah he's he's totally fearless because he's so loved you yeah. know he's so he's so cared for by you know i mean he just has great family around him and people that just 
are always there, you know, and always love him so much. So yeah, I think he just knows like that's always going to catch me. Are you able to give yourself your own flowers in terms of looking at Kai and seeing how amazing he is and how much people gravitate toward him and how much influence he has and how cool he is and be like a significant part of that came from me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. Because that's why I walk. That's, you know, uh, there had to be some beauty from the ashes, mm-hmm. you know, and there he is. <laughs> I'm so excited for everyone to get to see him and see what a little cutie he is. And yes, absolutely. All the flowers to you. And we're, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that especially the things that are really hard to share and that, you know, people, I think a lot of times tiptoe around um, and it's just really powerful. And we're so happy that we were able to connect with you. So tell us about your book. Yeah. So the book's called That's Kiss Your Sons. The message really is just so important, you know, um, just that, just that's kiss your sons. Just be you know, open, open and vulnerable and, and loving. And, you, you know, one of the big pieces in the book is like, you find healing for yourself by loving your son, your daughter. So one of the cool things that I'm like really excited about is I submitted it to Kirkus for a review. And if, if anyone doesn't know what, like about Kirkus, Kirkus is like the industry gold standard for book reviews. And to get a good Kirkus review is not guaranteed. And you pay $400 to submit for a Kirkus review that you get back in nine fucking weeks. That's a lot of fun to sit on and wait for. So when I got the review back, I actually prayed to accept the bad review I was about to read. (laughs) I was like, oh, God, just let me accept that it's not going to be good. (laughs) Talk about like optimism, right? Um, And then I opened it. And one of the lines in this like glowing review, which I'm still blown away by, was a book that an entire generation of fathers probably needs to read. I was like, holy shit. I, like, I, I was totally blown away by that. I'm still blown away. So tell us what um, your the central thesis is or what what is the, what's it about? It's a lot of, you know, it's my story, you know, all the, most of what we shared, um, you know, throughout, but then there's, there's a lot of science within it. So my undergraduate degree is in biology. So I actually did a ton of research on what actually is going on when we're hugging and holding and kissing our little ones you know what what are the neurological connections and you know and anatomically neurophysiologically psychologically develop there's a lot of developmental psychology like what's going on not only within our infant and our little ones brains but what's going on in our brains so like i said there's actually healing for us there's something called physiological synchrony so what happens you know when you're kissing and hugging and you know, dopamine's released in them and cortisol, the stress hormones decreased. And, you know, there's a neural connections happening that lean more towards security rather than insecurity. And that same thing, the physiological synchrony, it's going on in our brains too. So even though we're broken and fucked from our past, (laughs) you know, in loving and, and, you know, building these beautiful relationships with our little ones, we're actually healing ourselves from that broken past and creating this beautiful foundation that we never knew before so there's you know there's a lot of that a lot of again my story um and you know i just touch on just the importance of you know just loving your little ones but also i kind of break the book into thirds it's like a third sort of memoir a third science and a third self-help you know i talk a lot about 
going after your dreams and you know setting goals and things like that because like I said I sang in a metal band and you know did the rock star thing so that was yeah cool. <laughs> well again it's dad's kiss your sons by Mark Craven uh where Amazon. can we find you on socials as yeah well. socials yeah so Instagram TikTok it's underscore Mark underscore Craven underscore uh, okay three underscores there <laughs> yes, <it is>. beginning <laughs> middle and end yes perfect go check it out and I think to wrap us up Mark, if you, because your your story sort of has these two pieces. So if you could give any advice or any nuggets of knowledge, wisdom about A, just the the parenting that you have seen and how you've changed that. And then B, for our listeners who do, who do have these secret families or have, you know, these discoveries that they're making or think that they might make, what what advice would you give? So for the first question... It was more of like parenting, right? Mm -hmm. You learn on the job. Best advice I ever got from someone. Cause I, like I said, I was terrified coming into it. I remember when Kai was brand new, you know, we were in the hospital and he was sleeping and I was, I was like, just stay sleeping. Cause I don't know what to do if you wake up. <laughs> and it was, it felt like being at like a new job, you know, you're sitting in there like, I hope no customers come in. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm doing, you know? <laughs> um, or like, you know, if you're, if you're like a, you know, if you were a bouncer and then turned bartender and if someone asked you for like a Manhattan, you're like, here's your Budweiser, what do you, have? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so I was just, yeah, I was, I was so scared, but again, you learn on the job, you pick things up so easily and it's just second nature. It's second nature. You know, it's as easy as breathing and that's it. You're not going to break them. They're, <laughs> you know, resilient and strong. Um, and I mean, just, just really just love them. I mean, that's, that's it. Like I shouldn't even have to say that, you know, and I, and once you have your little one, you'll realize why I don't have to say that because right. it just hits you and it's so overwhelming and it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. You never want to, you don't ever want it to go away. You're just like, wow, this is incredible. I'm, I'm going to live for this every single day. And then the other part of that, yeah, when you're, if you're coming into finding new family or finding new identity, explore it, you know, explore it, see, see what it means to you. Look at some of the uncomfortable truths that might be in you that might need changed. Like if you think this group of people is different than this other group, um, but just be, yeah, just explore it and be open to it and be open to it, not working out, you know, don't, ex you know, don't expect that. Don't expect it to be like a Mark Craven story where the whole world fucking deceives you. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just be open because you can find some really beautiful things. And I did, you know, it just because my dad didn't want to meet with me doesn't mean my, you know, I have this beautiful relationship with my sister and uncle and cousins, all these people in my life now because of that, even though he's, you know, said whatever. I mean, that's, that's not what determined it. So yeah, just be like that monk from the story, you know, from way of the peaceful warrior, when things come to you, accept them when things are pulled away from you accept them you know that's just push and pull if you're being pulled push if you're being pushed pull beautiful absolutely beautiful it has been our so much pleasure to talk to you we were talking after your after our recording with you for the first time we were like shit <laughs> is our first first interview of the of the second season and we don't know if we're going to be able to follow it up because you have oh, been just that's a bar too yes, high yes that's man. a bar really high wow. it has been well, so I hope today much was fun. I hope today was as good as as that one 
Oh, yeah. no, it was just, it was wonderful. So. You are um, such a presence and and just like you say about Kai, such a light. Um, mm, you so have influence. You. you have influence. You are strong. Uh. <laughs> you are secure. <laughs> You're hitting me right here. You really are hitting me in the heart. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Mark. And we can't can't wait. I'm sure this is this is not the last time we'll talk to you. And it has just been such an honor. Thank, I can't thank you guys enough. Seriously. Like I really feel like immediately after that last one, I was like, they're like my sisters. I, feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like we definitely, yeah, I'm so thankful that you guys have allowed me to come on here, especially to have this coveted first guest, you know, <laughs> opportunity, but just, just to be here and have this conversation with you guys, you're so powerful and you bring out so much that I haven't even thought about, you know, I said that in the last one too. And that's what I was telling people after I was like, yeah, they made me feel bad at times. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, like you do, you just bring out like just this visceral, like, man, that is what I was feeling then. I mean, I, you know, I talk about the story so like quickly and I go through it, but it's like, well, what were you really feeling there? So, you know, the way you guys interview people and the way that you, you pull that out is it's, it's, you know, you all have a gift here. You all have a gift and you all have a beautiful platform that is going to hit so many people. I believe it, speak it, and I'm excited to see it just explode more than it already is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. And there you have it. That was a doozy, I think, and such a great... Uh, start to season two for us mark thank you so much i think that we all learned a lot and we're really really touched by the story that you told and i think my biggest takeaway is just even in spite of pretty rough circumstances um all throughout his childhood and even obviously past that point mark has grown into such a warm giving thoughtful kind individual and his approach to fatherhood and I please go and watch YouTube and meet Kai because he is the sweetest little so boy cute. and the way yeah the way that Mark has just poured love into him and then transferred that and everything that he's learned into his book dad's kiss your sons uh, to be able to share everything that he has learned with everyone that he can is just really beautiful yeah. Beautiful guest. I don't think he'd be the father he is today without those circumstances. So I guess it's true that everything happens for a reason. And I think I really appreciate Mark because, you know, this is the first time that we have had interviews with more extensively talking to other people than talking about ourselves. And I didn't really know what to expect. And I think he made us really excited for the rest of this journey and getting to learn more about other people and their lives. So, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. We love you. We love you. We love you, Mark. And for now, we're signing off. In the meantime, we hope you leave feeling a little bit more normal in your own family dynamic, excited for the possibilities, and more curious about the world around you. Have a good week. Take things in stride and leave people better than you found them. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.